Well, most of you don't don't know right now. Some of you may know. Miss Betty has been dealing with some excruciating pain, and to offer uh, an offering on the piano just that beautiful, uh, even through the midst of all of that that you've been suffering through, what a blessing, Miss Betty. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it very much. I want you to open up your Bible with me to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And we're going to talk about a heart of hospitality today. Now, a few weeks back we were looking uh, at Thanksgiving. And we're going to return to that theme just for a few moments this morning. um, In preparation for going and sharing with one another at a table later on. And so we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to fellowship and those that have prepared the meal for us. And some of them aren't in the room right now because they are over there preparing to have uh, you as a guest seated at the table enjoying some wonderful food. Have you ever uh, just felt just welcomed at someone else's home? You ever felt that? I, I think about the Mandrells and how they had to all the youth over at their house last night. That was cold and wet and rainy, and so some of them didn't come out, but the ones that came, man, they felt welcome. They always feel welcome over at their house. I've been there when there were so many children, youth over there that you could barely get in the door edgeways because there were just so many kids over at their house. Uh, And they, they always make you feel that way. You ever just enjoyed a meal at someone else's expense and how that made you feel? Yeah. I remember taking the youth, uh, going with the youth on a youth retreat near Hattiesburg, Mississippi, whenever I was leading worship for the youth at Briar Hill Baptist Church, my home church. Uh, it's just a little ways outside of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and uh, that's about an hour and a half away from home. And uh, I was leading worship that e- evening uh, at the campsite, at the, at the lodge where we were. And Allison, at that time, was expecting Taylor. Uh, our first child, and she didn't know what was wrong. She just knew something wasn't right, and so she kind of got a hold of me, and then um, we kind of got a hold of our our youth minister at the time. His name uh, was uh, Coleman Nichols. He's since gone on to be with Jesus, and his wife Naomi were there, and 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 we had ridden. Uh, in the van with the youth on the way there. So we didn't have our own vehicle there. And so Miss Naomi stepped in and she drove us the 45 minutes in the late in the evening, not quite midnight. She drove us all the way over to Forest General Hospital in Hattiesburg. So Allison could get checked out. And, um, we spent most of the night there and she was there with us during that time. Just, loving us, encouraging us. And when the doctors and the, and the nurses said, okay, you're in premature labor, they had her hooked up to the monitor, and they so you're in premature labor, you really need to go to your doctor in Flowood. You need to go back up there and see, see your doctor just as soon as possible so that they can take care of this. Well, we didn't have a vehicle. Miss Naomi said, here, take our car. We'll find a way back. And so she handed, uh, we drove her to her parents' house, and then she handed us her car keys 
And we got in her car, and we drove her car all the way back to Flowood. We kept it for the morning, and then eventually we got her car back to her. But bear in mind, we had only been back there at Briar Hill for about two or three months. She barely knew us. She didn't, she didn't know us, you know, whether we were going to wreck that car, take that car, or not bring it back, or anything. I mean, I guess she figured she knew our parents, and she'd run us down one way or the other if she had to. But that's a picture of Christian hospitality. That's what hospitality looks like. Christian hospitality means treating outsiders like insiders. I mean, we... In all, at some point in time, every one of us have been the outsider looking in, but Christian hospitality welcomes that outsider to the inside and says, hey, come be part of the family. There was a time whenever you were looking in and Jesus welcomed you to come and sit at the table. I mean, the worst thing that they could say about Jesus, they couldn't think of anything to say about Him because He'd never done anybody any harm, ever. The worst thing they could say about Jesus was, hey, he sits at the table. He eats at the table with sinners and tax collectors. That's the worst thing they could say about him. The most hospitable person to ever walk the face of the planet, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to read with me as Jesus teaches his disciples and he teaches us about how to be hospitable. And then he's going to give us a parable about how the Lord Himself is hospitable toward us, welcoming us into the table. So why don't you stand with me? We'll begin in verse 12. We're going to read all the way down through verse 24. It's 12 verses, so let's do this. Let's stretch, okay? Let's get ready. Everybody stretch? Okay, all right. 12 verses. We're going to read the whole thing. Here we go. Verse 12. And he said... Also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid in the resurrection of the just. One of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things. He said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in all the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, 
go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Let us pray together. Father, we are so thankful for your word today. We humble our hearts before you and we ask for your spirit to move among us and speak to us, Lord. Speak for your servants are listening, Lord. And Lord, we will be obedient to what you speak to our hearts. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory for the result. And Lord, we know that you are calling us today to have compassionate hearts as you are compassionate and have hearts of hospitality toward those around us. Lord, make us a a house that is open with doors that are wide open for the world to come in and know the God that we love and serve. They may have a seat at the table with us one day whenever we dine with you in our house in heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Biblical hospitality. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Uh, And I want to give you four uh, words of insight today about biblical hospitality. So number one, biblical hospitality means an open door. Biblical hospitality means an open door. Notice that the master of the banquet invited many. The Bible says he invited many. And that word many, I don't think we we need to neglect that word. We need to think about that word and dwell on that word for just a moment. He had an open door policy. This was not simply a friend's giving where only a few elect were invited. This was an all-out feast like no other it was an all-out feast like my grandmother and my mother and my aunts would put together every Thanksgiving at my grandmother's house. You ever go to one of those? I mean, this, my, listen, they were, there was so much food, there wasn't a place to sit at the table because the food was all over the table, everywhere. And, and the door would keep opening and closing and opening and closing because people kept coming in and coming in. In her little 16-square-foot house, there would be nearly 50 people where she was feeding them. I mean, and the food. I'm going to tell you what. Y'all, I, I know some of you people, and the food today is going to be good, but it was, it's not going to be like my mamaw's. It ain't going to be my mamaw's food. I've got to wait till, heaven, till I get to heaven before I have some more of her pot roast. i tell you what, the best food you could imagine. Now you imagine that this master of the banquet has just put out the spread. It's the most beautiful sight your eyes could behold. Food everywhere. And on top of that, white tablecloths and candles and servants serving any kind of beverage that you'd like to have. And everyone is ready to go. And the door is open. The door of my grandmother's house was always open because her heart was open. When a Christian opens his heart, His door will be open as well. And when I say His door, maybe it's a car door that needs to be open. Or maybe it's the door to your home that needs to be open. Or maybe it's the door to the church building that you stand and you hold open for a sinner to come in. 1 John 3.17 But if anyone has has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Well, the reflex of that is if... The love of God abides in you. Your heart will be open and therefore your doors will be open as well. Christian, 
biblical hospitality means an open door. Hebrews 13, 1-3, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. I believe the writer of Hebrews, I don't know who he might have had in mind, but I believe he probably at least had in mind Abraham. Whenever Abraham uh, came to the door of his tent and he saw that there were three men coming down the road, he ran right back inside the tent and he gathered together everything that was necessary to provide a meal. I mean, biscuits and gravy and, and, and meat and everything. They get, he got all of that together and he said, hey, come on in and have a meal with me. Now, he didn't know at first, but he did realize eventually that he was speaking with angels. And then those two, two of those angels left and one stayed and he realized he was speaking to the Lord. And he sat down and had a conversation in his house at his table over a meal that he had prepared with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The love of Christ opens the door to your heart. When you open... The door of your heart to let God's love in. You open your heart to let those in whom God loves. And so, biblical hospitality means an open door. But I tell you, secondly, biblical hospitality also means it requires a blank check. And some of us go, oh, I don't know about that, preacher. I don't know, because I've given to people and I tell you what they did with it. I knew a, I knew a guy and... Faraday, Louisiana. He was always asking people for 50 cents. He'd say in his Faraday accent, he'd say, You got 50 cents, Brother Josh? And I knew exactly what he was going to do with my 50 cents, too. He was going to take my 50 cents and their 50 cents and their 50 cents, and he was going to go right down to Tanton's, and he was going to buy him some liquor, and he was going to get drunk on it. But that didn't mean I had to quit being hospitable. Maybe I didn't give him the 50 cents, but guess what I did do? I'd buy him some food. I'd take him here or there. I'd say, come to church. We want you in church. And all of those things. And and part of that hospitality was even telling him, listen, I cannot give you money because I know what you're going to do with it. But I will tell you, I love you, and I'm going to pray for you. But a blank check means... That we don't count that cost. The master of the banquet went to great expense for the banquet. He sent out all of the invitations. And if we understand the true meaning of the parable, we see that it's, he's talking about what the Lord God has done with the Jewish people. The sons and daughters of Israel. God had bought them with a price. He ransomed them from bondage in Egypt. He adopted them as His own. And he set them apart and he said, you shall be my people and I will be your God. And guess what they did? They worshipped a golden calf. They spit in the face of God. And although they rejected rejected him, he never forsook them. He rescued them time and time again. He loved them no matter what. And he proved that he would do anything for them. And this is what the Old Testament is all about. That God never gives up on us. 
And he's always hospitable. He always has an open door. And he doesn't mind writing that blank check. Let me tell you what. He loves us enough that He Himself did not spare His own Son, but gave Him freely for you and me. The most valuable, most precious thing in heaven was offered up as a sacrifice for you and me. Hospitality will cost you time. It will cost you energy. It will cost you resources. But you will be repaid manifold in the kingdom of heaven whenever those that you've welcomed in are beside you at the table enjoying the feast that the Lord has prepared. If you calculate the cost of your hospitality or expect a return on your investment, you've missed the meaning of hospitality. Now, just remember what Jesus had said as a preliminary statement to the parable. He said, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they invite you in return and you be repaid. Now, he's, he's not saying, listen, don't, don't invite your friends and your, your family and your relatives. And all. He's, not, he's not saying that. He's saying, don't invite people that you know are going to repay the favor. It's, it's all about the motivation. Of inviting people. We're not inviting people so that we can be invited. Which is, that's exactly what the world does, isn't it? You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You invite me, I'll invite you. You do me a favor, I owe you one. That's what the world says. But Jesus says, but when you give a feast, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed Listen, this isn't about being repaid. This is about paying it forward and having eternal blessings in heaven that can't be taken away. He says, you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. There's a day that's coming. Luke 10, 33 through 37. Jesus talks about this man... Samaritan man of all people. And the way that he showed compassion and hospitality and he wrote that blank check for someone that he did not know. Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where this man who was beaten and left for dead was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound his wounds and pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal Listen to that. He set him on his own. Listen, if he sets him on his own animal, now what does he have to do? He's got to walk, right? So he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. So he didn't just drop him off. He brought him into the inn and he took care of him, made sure, hey, make sure he had a bed to lay in, made sure there was a basin of water there that he could keep clean with, made sure he had food to eat, all of those things. And the next day, he he stayed the night there with him to make sure he was okay. Then the next day, he took out two denarii, which was two week, uh, weeks, two days worth of pay for a Roman soldier. He took that out and he said, hey, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. A blank check. Which of these three do you think, Jesus said, proved to be a neighbor to the man? Fill him on the robbers. Now, he's talking about the, the Levite and the priest who had already gone by. 
versus the Samaritan man. And the obvious answer, the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You know the famous line from Jurassic Park that John Hammond keeps repeating throughout the movie? Do you remember that? Spared no expense. I mean, it's, it's all laid out for our guests. John Hammond wanted what was best for his guests. He didn't realize they were going to get eaten, but he, he wanted what was best for them. And so he spared no expense. For many of us, we'll, we'll roll out the red carpet for those we love. We will go out of the way for those that we know. And we're kind, of, we kind of, we're kind of fond of them. But biblical hospitality means welcoming and honoring strangers. People that we've never met. Leviticus 19.34. Listen to this command. And it's repeated all throughout the, New, the Old Testament. And it says, You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. In other words, when someone comes in and you've never met them before, you should treat them just as special as you would somebody you've known your whole life, your best buddies with. Ladies, you're... Your, your bingo partners and your domino partners, whatever you play with, whenever there's a, a lady that walks through that door, you should treat her just the same. In other words, here's the thing. What God really despises, and I'm almost ready to say what God despises the most, but not quite the most, in the house of God, is fraction, factions and divisions. In groups and out groups, the clicks and the click knots. Anyway, the not in the clicks. God, God absolutely looks at that and despises it. You know what Jesus said when he prayed in John seventeen is that they may be one, one body, not those over there and those over there. But one. Because there's no division in God. And let me tell you, there will be no division in heaven. None. So God's command, treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. (laughs) In other words, you're all the same. I'm the only one who's different. That's what God said. And even though God is so different and so much higher than we are, and His ways are so much higher than us, He welcomes us in. Enemies of God, and yet for our sake, He loved us, and He welcomes us in. Someone once said, some people know how to make you feel at home. Others know how to make you wish that you were. Shouldn't we be the kind of people that go the extra mile? That write that blank check and say, whatever it takes, however much it costs. But when you say, well, what what about the, the possibility of being abused and misused? Absolutely. And listen, that's exactly what happened to the master of the banquet. Now listen to what it says in verse 17 again. He says, And the time for the banquet 
at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Now this is the same thing that happens with, with Jesus. He's saying to the Jewish people, come, for everything's ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one had this business transaction. He bought a field. And he said, I must go and see it. I have, uh, please have me excused. And the other one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to examine them. Please have me excused. In verse 20, this one, he's, he's just gotten married. And rather than bringing his wife, <laughs> I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. I don't know what's implied there, but I, I don't really want to get into it. But Either he didn't want to ask permission, or I'm not sure. God knew Adam and Eve would reject him, yet he created them. God knew that the nation of Israel would reject him, yet he chose them as his own people. And God knew that the Jews and the religious leaders would re- reject Jesus, yet he sent his only son to die. For us. That wasn't a blank check. That was the most expensive thing that God had. He didn't spare for us. Biblical hospitality means an open door. It means a blank check. But thirdly, biblical hospitality means a Christ-like compassion. Now we've already seen that in the... The picture of the Samaritan, we call him the Good Samaritan, and how he treated this man that he didn't know, and how he blessed him. But, but bring in the poor, and the crippled, and the blind, and the lame, means those less fortunate, those outcast, those on the outside looking in. I remember whenever I was in Mexico on a mission trip, and they warned us before, they, before we went down there that, if we, if we gave anything to those kids, they would just keep coming back. And they would just keep coming back and keep coming back. And you know what? When I saw those little boys and little girls with dirty feet and dirty faces, pushing their hands, reaching and grasping through the, the, the little fence that we had in front of the church that we were building, and they're saying, please, please, money, money, cookie, cookie. Man, I couldn't help it. (laughs) I gave them my cookies. I didn't have a single cookie that week because I gave them all to the kids. I gave them Cokes. I I gave them quarters. I had compassion on them. And I I think about the words of Jesus and what... What it, says, what it says about Jesus in Matthew nine thirty six, When He saw the crowds, He had compassion on them, for them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. How do you bring in the poor? They have no transportation. You must go get them. How do you bring in the cripple and the lame? They have to be carried in. Remember the men who brought the the paralytic friend to Jesus? 
They had to let him down through the roof because they couldn't get him in the other way through the door. They brought him down in. And when Jesus saw their faith, he healed the man who is paralytic. How do you bring in the blind? They have to be let in. And this is what the compassion of God looks like. Those less fortunate, those on the outside, you, you go get them. You carry them in. You lead them in. Why? John says in 1 John 4.19, we love because He first loved us. Because every one of us are the blind. Every one of us are the, the crippled and the lame. Every one of us are poor and naked and destitute without the love of God. That's you and that's me. And that's every person that's out there, all up and down Lillian Highway, north and south on 61st, all around Myrtle Grove, all around the west side of Pensacola. That's every single person who doesn't know Christ. They are spiritually blind. They are spiritually poor. They are spiritually naked. And they are spiritually sick. And they are waiting on you and me to see them the way that Jesus sees them. And love them enough to go get them. And bring them. And lead them. Jesus said in Matthew 25, Then the righteous will answer Him, saying, Lord, when did we see You hungry and feed You? Or thirsty and give You a drink? And when did we see You a stranger and welcome You? Or naked and clothe You? And when did we see You sick or in prison and visit You? And the King will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Biblical hospitality means an open door. A blank check. A Christ-like compassion. And then lastly, it means a wide table. Look at verse 22 again with me. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. See, the servant invited those immediately near the door of the master's house. He brought them in. Then the ones that most people looked over, that were there day after day, they were treated like princes and princesses. They washed their feet. They put robes around them. And they seated them at the table and they brought food to them. And they were given the royal treatment. But then the servant's heart is revealed in this statement. Because he reports to his master. His master says, go. Invite these folks. And he says, I've done all of that. And what he says illustrates that he truly grasped the master's heart. When he says there's still more room. There's still more room. In other words, the master knew, the, the servant knew that the master wants a full house. And that his work was not completed. And that there was still more to do. And the master says, keep them coming. Keep them coming. Go get them. Keep going. 
Go out into the highways and the byways and bring them in. All types of people. The rich and the poor. The educated and the illiterate. Different denominations and creeds and religions and cultures. The strong and the weak. The red, the yellow, the black and the white. The Republican and the Democrat. And even Alabama fans, too. Bring them in. We'll convert them. Luke twelve thirty seven. Blessed are those servants. The, the ones that see that the table of the Lord is big enough. To hold everybody. Blessed are those servants who the Master finds awake when He comes. Truly I say, He will dress Himself. This gets me every time I read this verse. He will dress Himself for service. And have them recline at the table. I can't imagine the King of Kings, the Lord of Glory... In heaven, when we're there that day, with His table spread wide, taking off His outer garment and dressing Himself like a servant, and coming over to me, and saying, what can I get you? I can't imagine. Have them recline at the table. And He will come and serve them. You can't imagine. But praise be to God, it's not just for me. It's not just for you. The invitation is for all. Whomever the Lord would call from the east to the west, He calls them all to come and sit at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And then enjoy that feast in the presence of the Lord, the King, the host, the master of the banquet. How big is your table? Who have you excluded from the table? See, here's a challenge for you and for me. We're about to go and enjoy a feast. Amen? On time, too. Here's a challenge. If you see somebody you don't know, and there's still room at your table, ask them to sit with you. It may be one of the greatest things you'll ever do here on this earth. You will be sons and daughters of the King. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. The invitation is for you today. If you've never...
trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what He's saying to you today is that there is a seat at His table that is just for you. And you say, well, I'm not worthy. You're absolutely unworthy. In fact, your sin has made it impossible for you to sit at that table were it not for the sacrifice of Jesus. He took your sin, your shame, your filthiness, and He bore it to the cross. And He absorbed in that moment the wrath of God for you and for me. And all He's waiting on you to do now is to say, Yes, Lord, I will come. There's all kinds of excuses you could make right now. Don't let the devil give you an excuse in this moment. You say to the Lord right now, I receive, I accept your invitation to come. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I'm absolutely unworthy to come to your table. But Jesus, I believe that you died for me. You took my place on the outside so that I could be welcomed in. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. I receive your gift of salvation. Come into my heart. Forgive me a sinner. And I'll spend the rest of my life loving you and serving you. And when I die, I will join you at the table. In your name I pray. Amen. Will you stand with me? This is our invitation to you. We're saying the same thing that the master of the banquet has said. We're saying, come for everything is ready. Come for everything is ready. There's nothing that's left but for you to say yes to Jesus. That's all that's left. And if you've just prayed that prayer in your heart, then Lord Jesus has accepted you. He's received you. And now He just wants you to tell people about it. We want to offer the opportunity for you to join in believers' baptism, to be welcomed in the family of faith, to find love and a family here. We want to celebrate with you over what God has done in your life. So don't hold it in. Tell us about it. You come. If you're looking for a place to love and serve Jesus, Myrtle Grove Baptist Church loves you and welcomes you. You come to this place. And if you just need prayer... Prayer counselors will be here to pray with you. Maybe there's someone in your life that's been on the outside and God's calling you to to treat them like an insider today. You come and you pray. God will give you strength. He welcomes you in. Let's sing together.